Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time. Amen. It may well be that for some of you, this is the first time you've been back at All Saints in a good while. It's a great gift to be able to see you. I'm going to trust that your dental work is looking good, even though I can't see it. (laughs) Welcome home to your church. It's one of the ironies of life that it takes us a lifetime to work out what really matters about the lives that we lead. When we finally discover these deeper truths, there's not as much life left as we'd like there to be to live into those truths. Given this inconvenient realization, Paul's maxim that we hear in Ephesians today to make the most of our time offers us wisdom that Solomon himself would be proud of. Solomon, the king who asked the Lord not for certainties over the fickle masters of health, longevity and power, but for insight that he might make the most of the life entrusted to him by living for others. It is a high watermark of wisdom. Grant me, O God, understanding that I might discern what is right as Solomon's request of the Lord. Help me see what I cannot see alone. He's the opposite of the narcissistic leader, naming his limits from the very outset of his reign as king. The problem with Solomon, though, is that having been established as one who confesses the limits of his leadership, the divine gift of wisdom ironically sets him apart from others, becoming, even from the very mouth of God, the exemplar bar none of the godly king, as the Lord declares, no one like you has ever been before you, and no one like you shall arise after you. Solomon is both the paragon of wisdom, yet so much the perfection of that quality that we can never hope to attain it ourselves. Make the most of your time, if only you can figure out how, is the message the scriptures seem to offer. Seen as such, wisdom would not be a gift, but a trial a test of how much we measure up against an impossibly high standard. Yet this is not how Paul sees the Christian life. For Paul, knowing our limits is a helpful corrective to what he saw in his day as one of the core obstacles in the way of the nascent church communities he had founded. The letters to the church in Corinth, for instance, expend a great deal of hot air about the significance of what the Greeks called gnosis, which can be translated as knowledge, or more accurately, knowledge that is derived from wisdom. For the Corinthians, gnosis was something they believed they already had within their reach. And so Paul's so-called foolish gospel of Christ crucified and of the power of vulnerability was an incursion the Corinthians were not keen to admit. From their Hellenistic worldview, they already had the capacity to attain the mind of the ideal form of life, 
not as a gift from beyond themselves, but as the necessary consequence of their pursuit of perfection. For Paul, though, nothing could be further from the truth. He sought to proclaim the good news he knew in Christ Jesus. His concern was not their mind's superior grasp of wisdom, but the mind of Christ, a gift our hands can receive when we learn first to empty them of all those things we choose to cling on to instead. To imitate Christ in what Paul calls in Philippians the kenosis of the self is to lay down our desire for control. Presented as such, the path to wisdom is not one of spiritual superiority, but of letting go, of allowing our egos to recede sufficiently enough to feel the gentle touch of the God who will not bruise the reed, nor dim the burning, nor quench the dimly burning wick. Seen through the lens of wisdom, then, to make the most of our time is not to fill our days with all of the achievements that our power can muster, but to empty ourselves out enough to receive the gift of grace. Not about what we can do, but the kind of person we can become. So how do we become empty? How do we learn to say that we are already enough, all that God has ever needed or wanted? Well, part of that answer is in how we come to see ourselves through the eyes of others. The life of the church these past 17 months of this pandemic has no doubt been one of significant adaptation and adjustment. Some learned to grow fond of worshiping online, reaping the benefits of church on the couch at home or in bed. We didn't ask or wherever you might be. And some are still worshiping with us that way today, and we're glad you're here wherever you are. Most of us by now have had at least one, if not 1,000 experiences on Zoom, and have learned to add uh, your on mute to the lexicon of our everyday conversation. We have shot, particularly in this church, endless numbers of videos. Preachers have learned to preach to an empty church We've gazed at one another in those little boxes on a screen, silently thinking things we never got to ask before, like, I wonder where they got that painting from, or I really like that lamp, I'll have to ask them about that, or in the case of kids who were early adopters and discoverers, the pioneers, how to manipulate a video call, leaving us to ask, where are those bunnies doing dancing above his head? For all of its variety of new experiences and for all of the talk of virtual church being the future for faith communities, for me, it is only the embodied church that offers the kind of proximity, the, the touch, the presence, the feel of a community of people who not only choose to show up at the same place and time together, but who choose to live together close in enough to draw each other out. 
As we celebrate coming back to our block today, we do so not as if the concerns of this pandemic are somehow all behind us, but acknowledging that there is a deeper strength that we are gifted by one another in being together. As we look to the year ahead, to ministries familiar and new, we look at ways by which each of us might grow deeper, might come to see others more truly, might learn to know ourselves more honestly. This community is a living testament to the truth that people are made to become the abundantly alive human beings that God intends all of us to be in the company of others. We need others to draw out of us the fullness that by ourselves we will never see. For we cannot fill our own cups no matter how much the world around us might ask us to. As the great liberation theologian Gustavo Guitareres says, we drink from our own wells, from one another's waters of life, not because we take what we want from others, but because in the life we share in Christ, we learn to draw deep from the well of our own lives to replenish the waters of others. This church can teach you that. This place that calls refugees brother and sister can help you to see so much more full a picture of human dignity than any news story or political slant on immigration and asylum and refugees could ever do. Because here you can grow in friendship with those whose lives will enlarge your own. This community that bears witness to the deep courage of men on their way to hope, making the journey out of addiction and loss, can offer you partners for your own journey to wholeness and the discovery that when we strip away all the superficial trappings of our comfortable lives, we are the same beloved children of God beneath it all. This parish that calls you to cross the divides of race and wealth and neighborhood, not merely to come here on a Sunday morning, but on every morning. Gifts to you the opening to receive a fullness of life that otherwise you might never know. Not because of our achievements or standing as a church, but because here, we invoke the name of the God who calls us deep to deep. As we make our way out of this pandemic with some trepidation and concern for the welfare of others, I invite you not merely to come back to the block. I welcome you to see even more fully the opening that is present to you here to make the most of the time we have to live deeper into that call we hear in the voice of God's love. God alone knows the kind of bread you have to offer the hungers of this world. Yet we already know that each of us is all we need to live a life for others. So make the most of your time and of this indescribable gift called life.